Thanks for pressing play. My name is Christopher Lockett, and I sure am glad you're here. On this episode, let's talk about something that I get asked about all the time, which is, can services firms do category design? And the simple answer is, hell yes. And I'd even go a little further saying, the most legendary services companies are almost always created or led by a legendary category design. Oh, and one other thing. Um, I've gotten some email and some tweets and so forth. Uh, apparently, um, some people can hear a little bit of a jingle in the background every once in a while uh, on these oddcasts. And that little jingle you hear is the bell on um, our cat, although we call him our dog because he behaves a lot more like a dog, uh, being on his collar. Sometimes I forget to take his collar off. <laughs> before we start recording an episode. His collar is off now, so hopefully you shouldn't hear any jingling. But if you hear any jingling in the background, unlock it on marketing or follow your different, it's Bean. Now, my friends at HalloApp ask you to imagine an app that did not sell your personal data to the highest bidder. Imagine your friends, quote unquote, were your real friends. Real friends, real life, in real private. Well, you don't have to imagine it anymore. Welcome to Hello App, uh, the first real relationship network. Visit H-A-L-L-O-A-P-P.com or visit the App Store on your phone and uh, search for Hello App. And let's get real. Now, do you enjoy plant-based milk? Did you know that oat milk, by way of example, has more sugar in it than Coke? and that the FDA has found multiple toxic chemicals in oat milk. Well, it's time to make a small change that will make a big difference, and that's Malibu milk, the world's first whole plant organic flax milk. And flax is a super environmental superfood. Malibu milk is the tasty small change that makes a big difference. Check out MalibuMilkWithAY.com today, or you can find Malibu milk on Amazon. Now, as Joey Ramone said, hey ho, let's go. This is Lockheed on Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. All right, so let's start with a couple stories. Um, most people don't realize that there used to be no such thing as a management consultant. Oh, by the way, as a side note, when somebody says, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing, what they mean is, I didn't even know that was a category. So anyway, there was a point in time where there was no such thing called management consulting. And um, remember, everything is the way that it is because somebody changed the way that it was. So um, McKinsey and Company um, is the firm that created, that designed the management consulting category. It was founded in 1926 by a guy named James O. McKinsey. And he was a University of Chicago accounting professor. And McKinsey started out as a group of bean counters and accountants doing accounting stuff. And um, nothing like what McKinsey is today. 
The interesting thing is the guy that built McKinsey into what it is today is a guy named Marvin Bauer. And Bauer uh, came from the Harvard Law School and was a Harvard Business School graduate who was hired by James O. McKinsey. And um, as Bauer was working, he sort of was curious and he started paying attention over time. And he had this aha. He discovered a missing. What he noticed was that while clients were paying for accounting services uh, with accountants and legal services with, with lawyers, what they often wanted and valued more from their accountant was actually business advice from a trusted source. So with that aha, Marvin became the category designer of a new services category called management consulting. As a side note, Legendary category designers are also legendary at this thing called languaging. And languaging is the strategic use of language uh, to change thinking. And if you're interested in more on languaging, check out the show notes for this episode. And um, we did a really powerful category pirates on languaging a little bit ago. Anyway, Marvin is an incredible kind of master at languaging because he intuitively understood that in order to create a new category of services firm, he had to language it differently. That is to say, you can't talk about a new thing with old language. So under his leadership, projects were not called jobs. They were called engagements, a word that is much more relational than it is transactional. Internal groups within McKinsey uh, with specific industry or functional expertise were not called groups. They were called practices. Bauer borrowed a term from doctors to uh, demonstrate a level of professionalism to elevate these quote unquote groups or now practices within McKinsey. And finally, he made sure that nobody ever referred to McKinsey as a business. McKinsey was a firm and he highlighted the core values that held the company together and so forth and so on. Uh, and today there are very few firms who are rigorously committed. Some might say cultishly committed to the original language that Marvin Bauer put into place, but legendary category designers change the world with differentiated languaging. All of these distinctions, all of these differences help McKinsey thrive and help to, um, uh, if you will, position McKinsey in a new category, not a law firm, not an accounting firm, this new thing called a management consulting firm. Well, today, the industry that Marvin created is roughly a $225 billion global category, of course, known as management consulting. And as a side note, Marvin Bauer is called the father of management consulting, and most people don't know who the McKinsey in McKinsey is. So that's one legendary example of how services firms can create a whole new category. Uh, now let me share with you one. I got a, I got a bonus one coming in a bit too. Um, but let me share with you um, one that I was directly involved with. Imagine it's the mid-1990s and the internet is exploding. And all of a sudden, people are seeing massive new opportunities and new category potential. Because you see, on August 9th, 1995, a company called Netscape, who was the category designer of the browser, went public barely a year after its founding. And 
shortly after its IPO, achieved a $3 billion market cap back when that was a big number. (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, those of us who were around in the game back then remember Netscape's IPO as a tipping point. I remember where I was. I was in Chicago when it happened. And um, it it was a signal to the world that it was game on, that it was time to let the digital pirating begin. Then uh, a few years later, Amazon went public on May 15th, 1997, excuse me, May 15th, 1997, Amazon goes public. And, you know, as a side note, I remember seeing Jeff Bezos on his IPO roadshow. Uh, I was at, I believe it was a Goldman Sachs conference. It might've been Morgan Stanley, but it was one of the big ding dong banks in New York. I was the head of marketing for uh, one of the early uh, CRM companies called Vantive at the time. And uh, Bezos was the lunchtime speaker. And there was the room was absolutely packed. Everybody knew Amazon was a red hot company. Um, and by the way, back then we called them Amazon.com because the .com was a signal to the world that Amazon.com was a new category of book company. And also as a side note, this example of how category designers take and break new ground, they were the first company of consequence to put .com in their name. And shortly thereafter, .com was in virtually every every startup's name because it was their way of signaling that they were part of the new digital future. Anyway, sitting there in the audience, if you didn't have sort of the hair stand up on the back of your neck watching uh, Bezos uh, sort of lay out Amazon.com, something was wrong with you. You knew something had changed. And shortly thereafter, uh, people in business were afraid of getting Amazoned. Okay. Enter a professional services firm called Scient. And um, uh, I think I was the 34th or 36th or 32nd or something employee of Scient, and I was the founding um, CMO of the company. Now, at the time, um, and the CEO is this guy named Bob Howe, a legendary guy. I'll get to him a little bit more in a second. But um, at the time, there were professional services firms, of course. There were management consulting firms. There were IT consulting firms. There were these things called systems integrators. And there had even become a new category of services firm focused on uh, what most people at the time called website development. And that was sort of the landscape. It was a little more complex than that, but that's close enough for rock and roll. Oh, and branding agencies. You had IT consulting firms, management consulting firms, branding agencies, uh, website developers, and the like. Well, Scient decided to be a hybrid of all of those things, but super niche down on just the internet. And that made us very distinct. There was no management internet consulting company. There were, there were nobody that combined all of the disciplines you needed to build a new, uh, what today we would probably call digital business. At the same time, I remember a conversation that Bob and I had with the executive team. Bob had come from IBM. And he brought a whole bunch of other people from IBM. You see, Bob was the founder of IBM's management consulting practice because he had been a senior partner at Booz Allen. Anyway, so coming from IBM, he was deeply sort of soaked in IBM's strategy to lead in this new quote-unquote dot-com era. And they coined a phrase called e-business. It's not about building a website. It's about becoming an electronic business. 
And most of the people who were doing anything close called themselves systems integrators. So here was the aha. The category we came up with was we were the world's first e-business systems innovator. So we stole e-business from IBM, knowing full well that IBM's ability to execute on being a e-business consultant was pretty low. And we took the term, the term systems integration and twisted it with innovator. So Scient became the world's first e-business systems innovator. And we became one of the fastest growing services companies in history. Uh, we were growing like, it was unbelievable. We were hiring people at rocket speed. And just before we turned three, if my memory's right, um, we went public. And just before we went IPO, we had been working with Fortune Magazine back when Fortune Magazine mattered about a big story on the space. Because one of the things category designers do is they promote that category. And we knew that if, a, if at the time a business publication that mattered, not so much today, wrote a story about the space, it would help pave the way both with customers, uh, recruiting, which was a huge thing for us. We were hiring a ton of people. And we wanted to set the table for our IPO. So we were able to get that done. And they ran a, a story. I think they called it the e-consultants. And they featured us and our wannabe competitors. But it was very clear because we were the folks that pitched the idea. We were the folks that framed it, named it, and claimed it with them. So when you read the story, it was very clear who was the leader amongst the e-consultants. Another thing is... Um, on a, as a side note, but it's an important one, it does not matter if your category name fails to stick. What matters is that the category sticks. So while we called ourselves the e-business system innovator, and we were arguing that systems innovation around e-business was a distinct and separate category, that phrase never, ever landed. What did end up landing was e-consultants. So... Um, we still stressed e-business systems innovator, but we weren't, we didn't have some stupid religious battle. We were fine being called an e-consultant. What mattered was the category existed and the design, that is to say the argument of what an e-business systems innovator, AKA e-consultant was, was essentially the design or the definition that we had created. So in that case, that's what happened. All right. So the story runs, we go public and pow. It was over. We crushed all of our wannabe competitors. Uh, shortly after our IPO, we had a market cap. I can't remember exactly, but in the eight to $10 billion range. And we were about three years old and we barely had 2000 people. And people were starting to look at us as though we were the Amazon of the e-consulting category. As a matter of fact, I, I subsequently talked to many senior partners at many of the big traditional management consulting firms who just assumed that we were going to be so powerful that we were going to eat them all up. At our peak, we had about $156 million in revenue for the fiscal year that ended in March 31, 2000. I think we did almost $100 million in the next quarter. That's how fast we were growing. And um, from, 2000, from 99 to 2000, we grew 7x. And uh, in, in an extraordinary achievement, our consultants were bringing in an average of about $370,000 a year each, which put us right at the top end of the industry at the time. And then 
the party ended. <laughs> we went from going, we went from being one of the fastest growing consulting firms in history to one of the fastest shrinking because you see the entire dot com economy blew up, the recession hit, and um, by the end of 2001, science was gone. But the lesson still holds true. There were all of these players in and around what science was trying to do. We framed it, named it, and claimed it and used that strategic category design to catapult above everybody else. And at least while the party was on, uh, we were the kings of the party. So the category design lessons hold for services firms. So I would, I would argue that uh, for services firms to thrive, they have to get radically different. Focus on a niche that they can own, that they can expand over time. Bet on creating a different future not stretching out the past. And I mentioned Bob Howe, the CEO of Scient. He taught me something legendary about this way back when. And what he shared with me is there's three ways that services firms can differentiate. They differentiate on skill, scale, or time. So here's an example. McKinsey is a prime example of skill. So what makes McKinsey McKinsey is essentially they say, hey, we know a lot of shit that you don't know. We have a lot of super smart people. And if you knew what we knew, you'd have a materially different business. And therefore, you should hire us to fill a skill gap between what you know and what we know. Another example of this is a legendary uh, services firm that got created here in Silicon Valley called IDEO. They are the pioneers of uh, a design consulting firm, and they led a new sort of uh, idea in consulting that they call design thinking. And they've actually promoted design thinking, tied themselves to Stanford, and they are now considered the, the creators, the mothers and fathers of design thinking. And as design thinking as an idea expanded, aka category, the category of a services firm that can execute design thinking exploded. Today, IDEO has many, many, many knockoffs, but they are the original. So those are examples of a skill gap. A scale gap, two simple examples would be FedEx. When FedEx gets founded, the insight, the aha is, you know, there's certain documents that need to get there overnight or super fast. And in the very beginning, FedEx, FedEx had a, a tagline called, when it absolutely positively has to get there overnight. And then over time, they just shortened it to absolutely positively. I don't know what their tagline is today, but it was that insight that uh, for some companies, uh, the post office was not enough and you needed something that would get it there wicked fast. And that was going to be FedEx. Amazon AWS is a similar idea around scale. The aha there being we Amazon have created one of the highest scale technology infrastructures in history. And given that, if you want quote unquote, an easy up and on digital business, why build an infrastructure yourself when you can plug into our infrastructure, plug into our scale, and then you buy the uh, infrastructure capabilities you need. That insight has made Amazon AWS the fastest growing B2B enterprise company in history, period. And then the time gap is a simple one, which is the potential client says, well, maybe I have the skill. You know, I got smart people who know shit. Maybe I have the scale. Maybe I can do this. But the, the, the brains in my company and or the scale resources, whatever they may be, are otherwise occupied. And so 
even though I have the skill in the scale, I need to get some shit done now. And so I have to go outside. So skill, scale, and time are the things that drive a gap in those things are what drives uh, professional services and frankly, services categories and therefore brands and companies. And the aha here is the bigger the gap in skill, scale, or time, the more time, money, and energy people will invest. So legendary services firms get radically different by creating a massive skill, scale, time gap. It's one or the other, typically. And they develop a point of view that frames, names, and claims the problem. Hey, why go to an accountant or a lawyer for business advice when what you want is business advice? Go to somebody who specializes in business advice. Boom. Management consulting, McKinsey. If you want to do breakthrough design and you want an outside point of view, go to a firm that specializes in this new idea called design thinking. Boom. IDEO. One last story about this. Um, I have an old buddy named Paul DeVersa who I met in the, um, I think I met him in the late 90s. And um, he is the founder of what today is the premier independent um, headhunting firm in Silicon Valley and Silicon Alley. When we first met, I can't remember, I, I tried to Google it, I can't remember the name of his company at the time, but it was some nose-picky name like RFT or ITG or IFB or IUD or some other equally undifferentiated nose-picky uh, three letters that don't make any difference. And at the time, um, he was having a challenge, which was sort of a couplefold. Number one, his only differentiation was, we fucking know how to hire serious high-end executives and we will get the puck in the net. And that's not really a differentiator because all of his competitors essentially said the same thing. And he's a, he's a East Coast rabble rouser kind of a guy. So his personality carried the day a lot and that of his partners, but he was differentiating on personality and promise, which is a tough way to build a successful long-term business. The other challenge that he had was um, he was serving uh, startup founders and IT executives, and he couldn't figure out a way to kind of put these two things together. Anyway, here was the aha around designing a new category. What Paul DeVersa and his partners were really good at was getting people who were otherwise not looking for a job to leave their job and join their company. And particularly the kind of serious executive, serious leader that would make a very big difference. One of the top C-level executives. That was what they were really good at. So we developed a point of view. And um, you can see the point of view today on his website. If you go to lockhead.com, you'll get a click through to it, or you could just search diverse partners. And it goes like this. And I'm reading off their current website. And Paul and I did this category design work probably in 2001, 2002. Quote, the most successful companies achieve major breakthroughs by acquiring extraordinary talent. These people are hard to find and even harder to recruit. They are material impact executives. We only recruit these people. So that's what it says on their website today. And this was the aha. And the point of view that uh, Diversa Partners embraced, we renamed the company. So instead of calling the company IUD, it's now called Diversa Partners. 
And as we relaunched the company, we relaunched them inside this category. And the category uh, is that what makes us different is we specialize in recruiting the unrecruitable material impact executives in Silicon Valley and Silicon Alley. So they differentiated on industry, location, and the type of individual that they recruited. And that category design catapulted the company forward. And today, um, many refer to Paul DeVersa and his firm as the headhunters in Silicon Valley and Silicon Alley. And they have owned that position for the better part of 20 years. So in closing, what would I share with you? Number one, what's the insight? What's the aha? And what's the problem? Number two, how do we as a services firm frame, name, and claim it with a different category name and a provocative and engaging point of view? If I go back to diversify for a second, the reason your searches are failing is because your search firm, your headhunter that you're using is only recruiting people who are looking for jobs. And material impact executives, which is languaging that we created, are not looking for jobs. Why? Because they're already in a job. And if you're a material impact executive, you're probably in a job that you love and that you are highly, highly compensated for. So traditional headhunters are really dealing with people who are disgruntled and wanting to leave. And that, for the most part, is not who you're looking for. You're looking for an unrecruitable material impact executive. And those are the only people we recruit. So that is a great example of frame it, name it, and claim it. Have a different category name and a radically different point of view. So that's number two. And number three is how do we execute across our entire business, including the services we provide, how we provide them and how we price them to become the category leader, the category queen, the category king in a new services niche designed by us. So one, what's the insight, the aha, the problem Two, how do we frame it, name it and claim it by declaring a different category with a different category name and a provocative point of view. And number three, how do we execute across our entire, and I'll use the McKinsey phrase, firm, including the services you provide and the business model and how you provide them and price them to become a radically differentiated category queen in a new services niche designed by us. All right, we would like to thank the good folks at Atrenet, A-T-R-E dot N-E-T. If you want to build a legendary uh, B2B website for your services firm or product firm for that matter, visit atre.net today, building legendary B2B websites in Silicon Valley for over 20 years. If you're in Australia, my friends at rapidmedia.com.au are the place you want to go if you want to understand how to create demand, damn demand, and capture demand, and connect your marketing to producing revenue, check out rapidmedia.com.au today. And if you like this kind of thinking, don't forget to go to lockhead.com and subscribe to Category Pirates. And uh, we recently launched the ability with our friends at Substack to allow for a um, group discount. So we will give you a 20% discount on subscriptions of four or more. Go to uh, lockhead.com and uh, click on Category Pirates. Now, uh, speaking of things you should check out on the internet, my friends at Play Bigger 
have this awesome thing they call the Lightning Strike Mobilization Kit, a practical field guide to the execution phase of category design. So uh, go to playbigger.com and look for the Lightning Strike Mobilization Kit today. All right, I need to remind you that this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network, and it clearly goes better with libations, including uh, Malibu milk. Please don't forget to tip your wait staff on the way out. I need to remind you that today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. Please consult your lawyer, shaman, mystic, management consultant, <laughs> and material impact executive recruiter before uh, moving on any of today's device. Uh, don't forget to listen to Moby. And if you like Moby, check out Follow Your Different, uh, number 235, for a conversation with a legendary Moby like you've never heard before. Don't forget that Lily Tomlin was right. We are produced and edited by the GOAT, Jason DeFilippo. Check out his podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks. Sarah Knox and Jamie J do technical execution, and they build Lockhead.com. Show notes by GM Simon. And Candy Dandy keeps all the trains running on time. Thank you so much. Please stay safe, stay legendary, and the thought I'll leave you with comes from Shania Twain, who said, I find that the very things that I get criticized for, which is usually being different and just doing my own thing and just being original, is the very thing that's making me successful.